Yes, Father, we know the war is here, it continues, and this is real. And so we thank you, Father God, that you are real and that your protections and your provisions and your ways of escape are also real and that Jesus Christ has come to be the way, the way out, the way in, the way through, Lord God, to deliver us from evil. You said, Jesus, when you prayed, deliver us from the evil one. Um, Lead us not into temptation. And so, Father, we thank you that these precious prayers that Jesus taught us to pray are still very relevant today because nothing has really changed since the beginning. And so, Father, I thank you for the salvation of Jesus Christ that you sent, offered your own son. Thank you, Jesus, for taking the opportunity to die for us, be our, play, our, our replacement uh, on, the, on the death sentence, uh, chopping block. You took the penalty for us. Now we are free. And God, give. I pray that you'd give us Uh, just a revelation of that, that we can be walking as new creatures in Christ. And so, Father, we thank you today for great visions, revelations, and uh, perfect peace in this matter. Thank you for divine protection, that that we don't grow weary in well-doing. We don't become afraid. We don't become anxious. We don't become alarmed because we know the truth and we stand in the truth. So give us that uh, wisdom and revelation in your spirit today, that we will not walk in the the, the worries and the fears and the feelings of our flesh, but in the power of the word of God, in your word that you do not lie. So give us wisdom. And may I speak today as the oracles of God because of the seriousness of this time that we're in and the message in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you know, we're, we're living in the days where everybody wants to know what's really going on and people are looking for prophetic words and and, uh, direction and all those kinds of things. And the the way that we work our way through this maze is to go back to the Word of God. And today I want to talk about Daniel for a minute, Daniel the prophet, um, how he lived in a very difficult and perilous time with his gift. He was a prophet. He was a wise man. He had the Spirit of God on him. And, you know, when he was brought to Babylon, um, in, in the captivity, he was one of the captives who took, and they took the young men who looked promising, and they were going to, uh, you know, kind of bring them into their schools and, and train them and teach them how to, you know, um, work for them, you know, kind of use their gifts and talents to work for them. And so, um, but so they actually, the first thing they wanted to do to groom, groom these men was to, to feed them different food. And um, Daniel said, no. He says, I'm, I'm not going to do that. And, you know, when you're confronted in the world system with something that they want to insist that you do, take this, you know, wear this, go here, go there, um, stand this far apart, whatever, you know, Daniel said, no. He says, I, and you know, you know what happened? God gave him a way to do God's will. He gave him favor to, and, and the, uh, the eunuch who was in charge of him and his friends, I uh, said, oh, okay then. Well, all right, I'll give you a 10-day trial. You can eat your own food, you know, but but if you're looking weak and sickly at the end of it, I'll be in trouble and the, de- the, the, the king will kill me. Daniel said, we'll, we'll do this. And so they also 
um, their names were changed, so their identities were merged into with the, the political system, with the world system uh, of Babylon. And so he, they were trying, Satan was trying to destroy their identity, destroy their names. Uh, but Daniel remembered where he came from, who he was. And so he basically did not eat the king's food. That was the first test. And he passed that test. And after 10 days, they were smarter and, and looked healthier than all the guys that had been eating all the, the rich you know, meats and the delicacies of the king. And so as time goes on, Daniel is faced with, um, because he's in this school of magicians or trainers, you know, the, they put the prophets uh, in a certain school. And, and so, you know, he's working for kings. I mean, he's right there in the, you know, in the, in the support, the cabinet or the, the you know, the, the, the counselors for the king. And we're not going to go into every detail. It's a very fascinating book. It'd be fun for you to read it. Um, but, you know, in the, one of the first chapters, chapter two, we see that Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king at the time, had a dream and he didn't know what it meant. And so he was going to actually test his, his wise men to see if they really were wise or if they were just pulling his legs. So when, um, <clears throat> so when they were called in, he was threatening them. If you don't make known to me what's going to happen here, I'm going to kill you. Um, and so they were trying to calm the king down. And then they brought in all these people who couldn't tell him what his dream was because the king knew that if they could tell the dream, then they would also know the interpretation of it. And so um, they were going to kill the wise men. And Daniel said, wait a minute. They finally got to Daniel, woke him up in the middle of the night and said, hey, the king's having to freak out. You know, you need to get over here and help the king figure out what this dream is. So Daniel says, well, give me a, a little, give me a minute here. And so he and his three, two friends, Shad, well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, three of them, they sought the Lord and they, and, and they, and it was understood um, that they were seeking God for this, the, the secret, concerning the secret, so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men. So they were already starting to kill off the wise men, you know, because the king was upset. So they gave him a, a, a minute, I suppose it was an evening, a night, and then Daniel got the, the message from God. Now this is interesting because, again, Daniel is the man of God, and God, you know, gave him that gift of walking in the spirit, knowing the spirit. He was a man of the spirit of God. They were rare back in those days and they're still very rare today. As a matter of fact, I don't even know, you know, we still probably have one or two or three or maybe 10 Daniels in the whole world at this time. I don't know, but it was an awesome gift. And so God told Daniel exactly what was, what the king had dreamed. Now that's a pretty, I mean, of all the dreams you could possibly have in your night, there's a zillion compli complicated possibilities here. And, but Daniel zeroed right in by God, because God gave him very clearly what the dream was. And that was the dream where we have the vision of the, um, of the, the, uh, the, the, the golden head, uh, the uh, silver chest, the, I mean, silver neck and chest. And, and this whole idol that Daniel saw, which was a parable, a parable for the, um, the revelation of the kingdoms that were to come. And so when he came before the king, he told him the, the dream. And here, it's interesting, this dream uh, covers um, the whole history of the kingdoms. You know, there was the, the, the Babylonian kingdom, which was the golden head. And then we kind of degenerated into the next lesser, lesser kingdom, silver, bronze, um, and then iron and then the mixture of iron and clay, uh, ceramic clay. And so 
this goes all the way down to the toes. And, and at that point in chapter two, there's a very interesting prophetic word that this um, statue is telling us in this dream that Nebuchadnezzar had, you know, thousands of years ago. But it was in chapter two, if you want to look at it, it's very interesting. He's talking about the the feet, the fourth kingdom. This is, um, he says, and in the chapter two, verse 40, uh, and in and the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as strong as iron, inasmuch as the iron breaks in pieces and shatters all things, and like iron it crushes. That kingdom will break in pieces and shall crush all the others. Whereas you saw the feet and toes, so it's going from iron to a mixture of iron and and feet and toes. Part of there. Whereas as you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, the kingdom shall be divided. Yet the strength of the iron shall be in it, just as you saw the iron mixed with the ceramic clay. And the toes of the feet are partly of iron and partly of clay, so they're mixed. So the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly fragile. As you, know, as you saw, iron mixed with the ceramic clay, they will mingle with the seed of men. There's an interesting little comment. They, whoever they are, will mingle with the seed of men. That's verse 43. But they will not adhere or cling to or stick to one another, just as iron does not mix with clay. And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all the kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. So he's talking about at the at that point where the toes and the, there's a mixture of the clay and the iron, and they not they're not clinging to one another. At that point, God will bring in His kingdom. We are at that point right now with the toes mixed, the iron, you know, we've had um, this, the Iron Age, we've had all these kinds of things. But now we see iron, and as we would understand it, it's the, the, the singularity, the, um, uh, the, the cyborgs, the people who are mixed, um, you know, they want to mix, you know, uh, human anatomy, human DNA with mechanical, uh, computerized uh, AI, alien, you know, artificial intelligence kinds of enhancements. And so, but even as they were trying to mix and work together, they did not. So the ceramic clay obviously represents us, uh, dust, clay, you know, um, and, and made in the image of God. But we're, but so we're at that point in place in time in that, in that vision where there's going to be a breaking of the kingdoms. It shall break in pieces and God's kingdom shall come and consume all those kingdoms. So we are in that place now. If you look around in technology, the hybridization, trans- transhumanism, all of that stuff is exactly what this is saying, only it's telling us in a picture, in a parable, in a vision. And so that's what, so Daniel nailed that dream. He nailed it and he got the true interpretation. And sure enough, there's been enough time that's transpired since then that we've actually seen all of those kingdoms come through. And now we see this very last kingdom. And the good news is that God is going to, at that point, bring in the king. The great God shall make known to the king what will come to pass after this. And so the great God is going to bring in his kingdom at that point in time. So so he averted another crisis. So then we see Daniel um, where they have, you know, and all the king is getting this idea. He's going to erect this big, big, uh, obelisk or uh, idol or whatever it is. Uh, and he wants everybody to worship it. The height was 60 cubits. Um, and so if a cubit is 
about a foot and a half. So it's mm, 90 feet tall, probably something like that. And everybody was commanded to worship it. Now, this is interesting because um, Daniel wasn't, isn't in this piece. I don't know why he was, his friends were, they demanded the friends to worship and they refused. And Daniel wasn't there. Daniel's not talked about here. He was, maybe he was out of the country. I don't know where he was at that point in time, but he didn't get pulled into this particular crisis, but his friends did. And that's where we have this, the story of the three friends who stood their ground as well. And they ended up in the fiery furnace. However, we see in all these miraculous uh, almost impossible situations. And many of you are in totally impossible situations. We see the miraculous where God brings forth the way, the one little narrow escape. And that's why Jesus calls himself the way, because he is the way in, the way through, like I said, the way up and the way out. And so he's going to be the way of escape, escapes from death, as a matter of fact. And so we see that story. And then we go to um, uh, where um, all of the Nebuchadnezzar, he's He's got another vision and he's looking for um, what's going, what's going to happen. And here this, this, okay, now we have another crisis with Daniel because he's got to interpret this dream. And in the dream um, was, it's really a dream against Nebuchadnezzar and that he's going to be, uh, you know, his sanity is going to be taken from him for seven years and he's going to live, operate as a beast living outside eating grass. And um, how, how hard would it be for you to tell the king, uh, yeah, that's what's going to happen to you. You're going to go insane for seven years and, and, um, and, 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 you know, and not can be concerned that your head might be taken off because the king doesn't like the interpretation. But nonetheless, this is exactly what happened. Daniel was preserved and it was, he was protected and it actually came to pass exactly the way he said. Then we see the next crisis. And by the way, Daniel served more than one king. And so, this king is being done. His his kingdom is is going away, and now Belsha, uh, now the um, the Medes and the Persians are coming around, and so we see the handwriting on the wall, and we see Daniel there again called in. He's getting older. He's called in by the by the king, actually the son of Nebuchadnezzar. His son was now ruling, and he says, "What's going on here?" And Daniel says, "Well, huh, your kingdom is going to be taken away from you." And it says in uh, uh, chapter seven. Um, Let's see, his dominion, um, um, he's talking about, um, and you, and you have lifted yourself up against the Lord of heaven. They have brought in the vessels of the house before you and you you and your lords, wives and concubines have drunk from them. In other words, he's, he's defiling, profaning and blaspheming the holy articles of the temple that they, they, um, they plundered from Israel when they, um, ripped off the temple and just, and defeated the people. And so he's talking about his kingdom being taken away. And that very exact night that they were, the, the handwriting was on the wall, that very exact night, the Medes and the Persians were moving their way through the, the aqueducts and the water tunnels underneath the city because they'd found a way to get in the city because the city was so fortressed on the um, surface. But they'd got in through the water ducts and they were actually there and killed and plundered and took over and became um that that uh, the new ruling force. And um, <clears throat> so we see the transitions of kingdoms and yet Daniel is being protected even from one office to the next, one king to the next. Um, and then he goes on to talk about, he's talking about seeing other things. And this is where it gets interesting. He's talking about visions of, of rams and male goats and uh, beasts. Um, and in uh, verse chapter seven, verse 23, well, let's 21, because this is kind of where we're at. 
right now. And with Daniel, there's a lot of uh, visions. There's a lot of uh, interpretation. There's a lot of uh, rescuing. There's a lot of uh, he gets delivered out of very difficult situations. And you should be encouraged because God knows exactly where you are in this incredible, impossible situation. And most of us freak and panic at that point in time where we don't know what to do or what's going to happen. And we try to take matters into our own hands. But what we know here is that God was faithful to keep Daniel in the midst of impossible situations where these kings were, in one word, they could have you killed and cut off and dead and whatever. But Daniel was was actually very, he would pray three times a day. He would seek God and he would he would ask God for deliverance and healing. And, you know, at that one point, he was um, even delivered from the, from the, the lion's den. When his adversaries, his, the jealous uh, peers, uh, were trying to get him in trouble because they had the king and the Medes and the Persians make this rule that if anybody prayed to any other god than the king for 30 days, they would be, um, they would be killed. And so they knew Daniel prayed three times a day, every day to his God. And so they knew that this was an easy way to catch him. And once the, the rule was made by the king, who was at that point vain and foolish, um, he didn't think ahead of time that this was going to take Daniel out. So he made a oath. He made a promise, just like Herod made an oath and a vow to give Herodias's daughter half the kingdom and ended up because of that vow, you know, and that vanity and, and being flattered and being be- bewitched by a witch ended up having to, you know, uh, save face by giving them the head of John the Baptist on the platter. And here, kind of the same thing. Um, Now the king, you know, they're, okay, so his promise is if you break this rule and I am the king and therefore I can't be crossed, then you're going to have to be thrown in the lion's den. And so that's how Daniel ended up in the lion's den because he was was set up by his jealous, um, you know, co-workers, if you will. And some, this is what happens to us. Maybe not, not a lion's den literally, but we're, we're thrown into a place where, you know, only God, all night, those lions slept. And probably Daniel just slept right there with them. Um, or maybe he stayed up and prayed all night. I don't know. But the angels of God kept their mouths shut. That's what we know. And then in the morning, the king was so nervous he didn't sleep all night So because he, he liked Daniel. I mean, Herod liked John the Baptist. These guys, they, they knew these guys were righteous men, but they got tricked on and tripped up because of their own vanity and pride. So he gets up early in the morning and goes down there and he says, um, uh, you know, what's happening? You know, are you still alive? And, and Daniel said, oh, yeah. Oh, king, live forever, you know. And so the king got him out of there right away. Um, and, um, and then uh, the king spoke to Daniel and says, your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. So even in the beginning, the king had faith in, in Daniel's God already that it was going to be okay. And then at the end, he was seeing, um, you know, from, uh, you know, he says in verse 20, he says, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your king, this is after the mo- in the morning, has your king, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth so that they have not hurt me because I found I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, so Satan had nothing on Daniel that he could go to the Lord saying, I have a right to kill him uh, because he did this and this because Daniel his, his was innocent before the Lord. Not that he was perfect, but he was innocent. 
God doesn't expect us to be perfect. God expects us just to follow him and be obedient. I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Then the king was exceedingly glad. See, he liked Daniel. Glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken out of the den and no injury whatever was found on him because he believed in his God. Then the king gave commandment that those who accused him should be cast into the den with the lion's den with their children and their wives. And the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces before they even hit the bottom of the den. So they were thrown down into this lion's den and before they even hit the bottom, they were killed. So this obviously is the other revelation of God's power to power to keep the lions from eating and power to, you know, you know, then the lions were eating people again. So, but then we go into, a, um, and these are kind of wow stories, you know, Daniel, the lion's den. We know all these stories and we think, oh, well, that's just a story. No, that really did happen to this man whose name was Daniel, the great man of God. But then in the, in the, towards the end of the, of the book, it's only about what, nine, eight, nine, eleven chapters long. Daniel starts talking about the end the prophecies of the of the end and what's going to happen in the end. And in chapter seven, we begin kind of a interesting new, kind of a turning a little bit towards looking at the visions of the end. Now, Daniel was accurate in everything he told the king. It all came to pass, nailed it every time. And now he's talking in chapter seven. He had a dream and a vision while he was on his bed um, and he wrote down the main facts. And in the vision, he saw uh, the, the great sea, the heavens, the beasts coming out of the sea. Um, and then he, we try to figure out, well, what were those four, the, the, there were four beasts. Um, and then we don't know what they are. I mean, it's just not real clear because it's, he doesn't give us the whole interpretation because a lot of times with the vision, it comes to pass, but it's coming to pass piece by piece and falling into place. And we don't always recognize what, what we're looking at until it actually is right in front of us. And they say, oh, 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 that's how they're going to do the mark of the beast. Oh, that's how they're going to do the, you know, the this and the that. And so revelation is actually beginning to be unfolded, even as we watch the news or listen to or learn what's going on in the world. We see it all as the Lord said. Now, remember, though, the Lord can't, his people back then didn't have the language we have now. So they were using other words to describe situations rather than saying, you know, they had a, a, a needle or a, a vaccination or something. He's saying they have, you know, this and that. So we understand that there is a time and a place and God is revealing. And to those who have eyes to see and ears to hear, it will be, an, it will be understood. So Daniel um, was watching and he says in verse uh, seven, chapter seven, verse nine, I was watching now, this is a warning. This is, we're not all done with this prophecy yet. I watched till thrones were put in place and the Ancient of Days was seated and his garments were white as snow and the hair of his head was like pure wool and his throne was, full, his throne was a flaming, fi fiery flame. And he goes on to describe an issue of fire came from his throne and thousands upon thousands ministered to him. And so we see the context of this vision and 10,000 times 10,000 10, stood before him and the court was seated. Okay. Now in revelations chapter 20, he's talking about the court also and the books were opened. So in other words, he's talking about the time of judgment when the books are opened. And, and so the books are the stories of our lives. Each one of us has a book. Uh, there's the book of life and each of our books stories are written 
in in that book or it's like that book uh, is a, a great library. And in that library, there are many, many, many books, volumes, and each one of us is one of those volumes. And so the books were opened. Um, and you, you, so to see what was written in them um, and, and were written in the book, book of Life. So he was watching, um, and the court was seated, the books were opened. And I watched then because, so that's judgment, and the sound of the pompous words which the horn was speaking. I watched till the beast was slain, and his body was destroyed and given to the burning flame. As for the rest of the beasts, I don't know, maybe there was three more, maybe there were more than three. They had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. Now that would be, a time is a year, times are more than one year, two years possibly, and a season is a season. So I was watching the visions, behold, one like the Son of Man, now, Daniel is the only place in the Bible before we come to Jesus in the New Testament who ever um, describes Jesus Christ as the Son of Man, except for the book of Enoch, where Enoch identifies Jesus Christ as the, with the title Son of Man. And so when Jesus came, uh, you know, all of the people, his disciples, apostles, followers, they all knew that term Son of Man from the book of Enoch, which they also knew because Enoch was a very a common book um, that was uh, um, basically laying on the coffee tables of those who uh, lived in Jesus's day. And um, some of the, actually the verification, the val- validification of the book of Enoch and its, its, um, its you know, a- accuracy and authenticity is in the fact that both Jude and Peter cut and pasted full passages out of the book of Enoch into their own books. So obviously they were using Enoch as an authority, as a resource that was an authority on what they were saying. And so um, they understood it. So the Son of Man is coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days and they brought him near to him. Okay, so this is a process. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, languages should serve him. The dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed. So he is the ultimate and last kingdom. Now, he slips down in the later in that chapter and he begins to talk more specifically about what he's seeing. Uh, then he says in verse 15, I was grieved in my spirit within my body uh, and the vision troubled me. Um, and he goes on to say why. The saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever and ever, but um, he wished to know the truth about the fourth, fourth beast. So he wanted to know more about what was the specifics um, because this beast was different from the others, exceedingly dreadful. Uh, remember in the other vision, he had the iron mixed with clay. Here we have a dreadful beast kind of at the same point in history. Um, teeth of nails of iron, teeth of iron. Okay, there you go, the iron and the iron. It's nails of bronze. It devoured in broken pieces and trampled the residue with its feet. Uh, with its feet, okay. Um, there, were, there were on the horns, on the 10 horns, on the heads, um, there were crowns there, there, um, and they fell down. It's, it's all kind of like, who's who here? What's, which kingdom, which nation, which beast, what's going on? But he says in verse 21, I was watching and the same horn was making war against the saints and prevailing against them. This is a scary thought, but it is the truth. We see it now. We see the, 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 the horns of political, uh, world systems, the, the world that Satan runs, the God of this world is making war against the saints and prevailing against them until the ancient of days. 
came until the ancient of days. Who's that? Well, that's God the Father until he comes and sets up judgment and judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High. And the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. So we know ultimately these horrible things are happening, going to happen, coming. But in the end, Daniel keeps saying, but the kingdom belongs to us. Um, and it says in, um, let's see, I'm going to... Um, He's, he's in verse 25, and he shall speak pompous words, this um, horn, this fourth beast, pompous words against the Most High. Do we not hear this? Do we not have people now who absolutely relegate God to non-existent, doesn't matter, he's irrelevant to the world? Um, what God, you know, the whole story of Jesus Christ, the words of the Bible are just like nothing. They don't matter. They, they're, not, uh, they're not calculated into any um, decisions they're not held, you know, they're not held in, in respect or awe, and except for the people who follow God. But there are some of us who follow God, and there's many, many who do not. Um, so he's speaking pompous words against the Most High and persecuting the saints of the Most High and shall intend to change times and laws. Interesting. How about, you know, what we've done? We've done that. We've done all that. And the saints were given into his hands for a time, times, and half a time. For So for three and a half years, the saints were, are going to be given into his hands, be crushed, be destroyed. Um, and, and Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse, I think it's 15, if those days would not be shortened, no flesh would be saved. So we are seeing how is this beast system destroying our DNA, our human flesh, our lives. Actually, it is the DNA that Satan is going after because our DNA carries the image of God. That's how we're made in the image of God through our DNA. That's we're called the sons and daughters of the Most High, made in his image, made in his likeness. And so everything has been unleashed in this world by Satan, who is the God of this world, everything to wreck our DNA on every level, on every level. I just, you know, you think you'd know these things, and but but even the way we walk on the earth, we walk on the earth with shoes for the most part. And shoes, your wonderful closet full of shoes, every a shoe for every day, every season, your shoes are keeping you from being grounded and resetting your frequencies because the earth, we're, we're connected to the earth and the earth resets our frequencies when we touch it, when we walk barefooted, when we dig uh, in the dirt and do gardening. That's why some of you love to sit at the beach and dig your toes in the sand. You are actually being regrounded. You're actually being reconnected. Your systems are being, um, you know, readjusted your frequencies to, to a place of peace, your megahertz, to a place of calm. And yet how many of us ever think to even take off our shoes? Anyway, that's really an aside, but you might want to see if you can use that in your life somehow to reduce the anxiety levels in your body. So, the court will be seated in verse 26 of Daniel 7. The court will be seated. Who's the court? God, the righteous judge. Satan has no court. His, he's nothing but a lawless one. The court will be seated and they shall take away his dominion and consume the, and destroy it forever. Then the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole earth shall be given to the people, the saints of the Most High. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. All dominions shall serve and obey him. This is the end of the account. So Daniel said, my thoughts were greatly troubled. My countenance fell. I don't know what's happening. And so this is the end of chapter seven, but we still have several other chapters to go. And so we go into chapter eight. 
And he's talking about the ram, the male goat, the war, the little horn, all these things. And I don't pretend to know all these things. I'm not going to tell you this is this and that's that. And this is that country. And this is what just happened. This is the political event over here that, you know, is that. Because there are many events. And there are many parts, moving parts, millions of parts to this to this uh, end game, if you will. It's not a game, but it's a war. Um, but in verse 8.13, he says... Um, He's kind of talking about how long is this vision, how long is this going to last? And, and they said, he said, then I heard a holy one speaking and another holy one said to that certain one who was speaking, how long will the vision be concerning the daily sacrifices and the transgression of desolation, the giving of both the sanctuary and the host to be trampled underfoot? How long is this destruction going to last? You know, where the enemy is coming in to annihilate the, sac- the daily sacrifices, we know that the daily sacrifices will be reinstituted towards the end when they rebuild the temple because the Jewish people um, s- still need those sacrifices and they haven't had them for almost 2,000 years. Um, <clears throat> he says, and he said to me, here's the, t- the length of time, 2,300 days, then the sanctuary will be cleansed. Okay, so the sacrifices, the, uh, and then Jesus talks about in Matthew Uh, 24, he says, the abomination of desolation. He says, pay attention when you see this um, in the temple. He says, um, let's see here. He says, verse 15, he says, uh, 24, 15, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, Whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those in who are in Judea flee to the mountains and let him who is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Get out of town, go quickly. And let him who is in the field not go back and get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant, to those who are nursing. Um, pray that your flight may not be on the Sabbath or in winter. For then there will be great tribulation such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time no nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, the, no flesh would be saved. But for the, for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Now, so that means that Jesus was fully aware of what was going to be happening, for the, what was the enemy, enemy was going to try to do to destroy our, our lives, our physical bodies, our DNA, our flesh. Does that make sense? Ponder that for a minute. No flesh should be saved. And we see that is the, that is almost the number one top priority agenda of everything out there that's corrupting our environment, corrupting our food, corrupting everything. But notice also that in the midst of this severe demonic, all, uh, you know, pulling out all the stops of hell to destroy us, we are still here. We are still here. Many are, you know, being, are slipping into eternity. I get that. And that might be the grace and goodness of God because they can miss this part. But we are still here. And if you follow God, he is the way. He was the way for Daniel through the food, through the, the uh, intrigue, through the political setups um, to try to get him in the, in the, killed in the lion's den. Um, the, the wickedness, that was, he was always delivered, always delivered. Daniel went and served all the way to King Cyrus. He ha- he, I think he served three or four kings. He outlived three or four kingdoms. And he was, God was faithful to keep him, and Daniel was faithful to follow. 
And so even in the midst of this great tribulation where Jesus warns it, he says, look at what Daniel said. Okay, I'm reminding you what Daniel said. This is authentic. This is a real deal. And he said that it's, it's going to be, and then he says, no flesh will be saved unless God shortens the time. So God is going to cut it down to three and a half years. The total tribulation is, is probably seven as we pick that up in Daniel too. But again, I'm not into the, I don't understand all these. Many scholars have taken this all apart and they've done a fine job. And you can research all that to your heart's content. He's talking about the 70 weeks and the 69 weeks and the, and the one week. Um, then he will confirm a covenant with many for one week. But in the middle of the week, he shall bring an end to the sacrifices and the offerings. So this, this evil antichrist spirit he will make a, co- a, comp- a covenant for one week, which is basically seven years, a treaty. But in the middle of the week, you know, three and a half years in, he's going to end the sacrifices. That's where you're going to get the abomination of desolation. And from then, all hell breaks out. And at that point, we, we have to flip to Revelations when we see um, the mark of the beast and things, people standing in line, can't buy, can't sell, um, etc. And we don't know. And people say, well, I... I, you know, I believe there's going to be a rapture. Well, yeah, I believe there's going to be a rapture too, but the problem is we don't know when. And so don't be counting on the rapture to, to, to get you out of trouble or to, to get here before you have to make your next house payment. It's, you are going to have to occupy until Jesus comes back and you're going to have to stand and having done all to withstand in the evil day. And you're going to walk in the truth. Let's just look at Thessalonians for a second before we wrap this up. Chapter two. The, ends, and the events preceding the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is the day of his coming, the day of judgment, the day of, of justice, the day of, of yay, praise, praise God, it's the, it's the end. Um, he says, now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken, this is chapter 2, verse 1, uh, in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. They were already believing it had come. They were hoping it had come. They thought maybe they missed it. Verse 3, let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin be revealed, who is the son of perdition. Now, that unless the falling away comes first. Well, yeah, we think, okay, so people are going to you know, be against God. They're going to fall away. The church is going to, you know, lose its power, blah, blah, blah. And that could very well be. And we've seen that falling away from Christ. The the people are not hot and not excited and not anointed. And they're, you know, just drifting into worldliness. Or it could be another Greek word for falling away means departure. So the day of the Lord will not come unless the departure of the church falling away or the departure of the church. They both, they, they can be translating that both ways. So when the church goes away, okay, I'll read it again. For that day will not come unless the falling away or the departure of the church comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of prediction, who opposes and exalts himself above all this called God. This is the same man Daniel's talking about uh, who, who is, or that is worship. So he sits as God in the temple of God showing that he is God. Okay, so he's going to be taken over the temple. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things, Paul saying, you know, don't get anxious. Remember what I said. Now, you know, here, now he's starting verse six. Now, you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. What is restraining the revelation of this madman, the Antichrist, who is going to be revealed and he is coming in his own time, according to Jesus and Daniel and now uh, according to Paul. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he, capital H, 
who now restrains. So the restrainer is he. Who would that be? That would be the Holy Spirit. He who restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. When will he, the Holy Spirit, be taken out of the way? When? Well, where is he, first of all? He is in us. He has been commissioned to live in us, to lead us into all truth and victory. So he is in us. So if we go, he goes. Or if we go, he goes. We go, he he goes, we go. Uh, so he's going to be taken out of the way. And then, it says, and then, verse 8, and then, what? When? When's then? When he is taken out of the way. The lawless one will be revealed. Okay, so then people will see him, the lawless one, for whom he is, for who he is, and the Lord will consume him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him with the brightness of his coming. Now listen to verse 9. The lawless one, the coming of the lawless one, is according to the working of Satan. Okay, so we see what's going on. With all power, signs, and lying wonders. That's why Jesus said, don't be deceived. When they say, I'm over here, I'm over there, don't go there because Satan will be able to do lying wonders, signs, false miracles, etc. And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they may be saved. So he's going to be out there tricking those who refuse the love of the truth. They're going to fall for the deception because they refuse the love of the truth. They didn't want the truth and they didn't want the, 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 the true gospel. So they made up their own version. And he says, uh, those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. For this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. This is where we're at. This is your choice. You can follow God. You can believe God. You can go back to his word. You can repent. You can get back to who you are in Christ. You can let go of all this foolishness, all of this wokeism, whatever it all is. And you can walk with Jesus Christ. And because and he, he says, God, for this reason, God will send them a strong delusion. Well, I didn't think God told lies. I didn't God think God tricked people. I didn't think God set people up. He doesn't. But he has no choice. If you have chosen to agree with the liar and follow his prescriptions and do what he says, then the liar says, but they're listening to me. I have a right to deceive them. And God says, yeah, that's the rule. If they choose to obey you, you have a right to um, do what you do. That doesn't mean God isn't going to continue to help you and, does, and try to draw you back to the truth, which is what he's doing with many of you right now. You're being drawn back into the fullness of recognizing the urgency of the hour and being drawn into the truth. So, Father, we praise you and thank you for the truth, the prophetic words of Daniel, his strength and courage to stand uh, and not to compromise and how you made ways for him every time. And he outlasted four kings. Father God, we thank you for your faithfulness, even with our with the remnant, that you are faithful to keep us, to um, preserve us, to give us the right food to eat, to give us where to stand, give us where to live, help us pay our bills. You are here, O oh God, and you are faithful. And this is not a big, hard thing for you to do because you are God. So let us rest in your in your faithfulness in your goodness, and recognize that we are in very critical days, as we're told and warned, uh, given to us by Daniel, and by Jesus, and by Paul, and by Peter, and by others, Father. So thank you for that revelation in Jesus' name. Amen. And we ask you, encourage you to check us out at liferecovery.com. Um, there are many helpful uh, things to understand. There's there's um, books, there's manuals, there's teachings, there's blogs, there's uh, downloads of all kinds. And even uh, go to our YouTube channel, uh, Life Recovery YouTube channel or Marjorie Cole. And there's a lot of teachings on there and there's going to be more. We're actually adding more as we speak. So be encouraged. 
Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, and let the Lord God defend us. Amen. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.